Do you like retro video games? Then you should check out the Nerdcade Retro on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you can find podcasts. If you like the show, then you can join the Discord by going to the Nerdcade Retro Twitter page and click the link at the top of the page. If you like the Open Micers podcast, but you think I'm too handsome, check out the Jester's Court podcast hosted by my fat twin, Mr. Mike Evelyn, found wherever podcasts are given away for free. And of course, we also want to shout out our lovely other Patreons over at patreon.com backslash Owen Podcast, including Derek Diamond, Rob himself, Mr. Robbie Hennig, and I am The Rampage. It is time for the Open Micers Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. My name is Jacob Craig. And, and there are there are only a few simple joys in life, Jason, but one of them is seeing <laughs> the confusion in our guests' eyes when we tell them it's time to start the podcast, and then it's utter silence for 20 seconds because they can't hear the theme music. Oh, you guys couldn't we, hear it? We never tell nope. them. Oh my god, that why didn't you say anything? <laughs> I could have fixed that by now. Because it's my back. favorite meme jason and you can't take it from me damn it jacob this is your job when you're on the other end of the zoom call you're supposed to tell me when you can't hear the damn bad at podcast you were awful you're the worst co-host ever i'm I'm gonna get Derek in here like you're done this is your last show if if you get Derek, you and Derek, then it's just third game retro part two like Derek doesn't know anything about comedy well, Travis, Travis, are you uh, are you looking for a new podcast job? Uh, you, <laughs> oh man, that's what I need is to add another one to my list. Well, that can you do a tight five? That's what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. you gotta put a tight five together, and then you can be on the comedy podcast. That voice you hear right there is Travis, aka at TV's Travis on Twitter, who has his own podcast called Wait You Haven't Seen, which I've been on before, and he also does another show called uh, Let's Watch Highlander. So give a warm welcome to Mr. At TV's Travis. Hey. Yeah, um, I have I have those two. I also co-host a show on classic TV called Those Were the Days. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and one on horror movies called Gore. Gore. So oh shit. I have wait I do too much. I'm yeah. a podcasting shark. If I stop, I'll die. So I just have to keep making shows. Oh, I I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> wait, sharks die if they don't move? If they don't swim. How do you not know this? Dude, come on. All right, you don't know about sharks. You, you're not telling me when you can't hear the, the music or the sound effects. Like, you're just, you're, you're batting a thousand tonight, bro. <laughs> this is going to be a good episode, too, because I also have not seen a lot of good movies. Well, when I tell it's you about movies, movies to be good. just anything, when I tell you about good movies, you hate them. So I don't, I don't give you any suggestions anymore. We were just talking <laughs> before, before the show, uh, Travis, we were, we were talking about, uh, his, his show, wait, you haven't seen and recently did uh, an episode where, uh, our previous guest, Mr. Brian Ebbett from the morning stream in Coverville was on wait, you haven't seen. And he did the original Halloween and he's never seen it. And we're like, how have you never seen like even accidentally have you never seen a halloween movie like that's just mind-blowing like i've had that a couple of times i had somebody who had never seen the princess bride and i'm like you know you think maybe that's somebody that's a little bit no it's older than i am <laughs> had never seen the princess bride i'm like again how does that just how do you not um 
another one was Die Hard. Somebody about just a couple of years younger than me had never seen Die Hard. I'm like, come on, we're fixing that. I'm making, I will tie you to a chair and make you watch Die Hard. I mean, die, okay, Princess Bride's one thing. I can see where people would think, you know, that you see the cover for The Princess Bride. It, it sounds like, you know, it would be like oh, yeah. something not what it is. So I can understand passing that movie if, by, but Die Hard is like, it, it gets beamed into your head. <laughs> I mean, well, classic Christmas movie. Yeah. You know, to I mean, to steal a line from Wayne's World, they used to hand it out in the mail with boxes of Tide. Yeah. Like, it just, you just got it. It was just yeah. there. But it's like, when you buy Princess a house, Bri- every house comes with a copy of The Matrix on DVD and a copy of Die Hard on DVD. Yep. Yep. Depending on when it was. If it was built before... 1997 it was a vhs copy yeah vhs yeah but it was the letterboxed one it was the nice (laughs) high-end one so no but like the princess bride in this day and age in the age of the internet like everybody talks about that movie you can't escape it so that was another one that just surprised it happens i mean we all have our blind spots i went 25 years not having seen the shawshank redemption wow kind of thing as a as a film buff it was like my my hidden shame (laughs) <laughs> that I never, I didn't tell people about. I would just be like, yeah, the Shawshank Redemption. Uh-huh, sure. I haven't seen that. I don't know it. And so I finally watched it and it's better than everyone told me that it One was. of the most perfect movies ever made. I mean, if you've never seen it, holy crap, you need to get on that. Yeah, it's absolutely just a mind-blowing movie. So uh, we, had, we, all, we all have our blind spots. That's we, why I started the show. We talked about before before the show, which led us to Halloween three, and you're one of the only other few humans that I talk to that actually likes that movie. Jacob can't stand it, and I don't can't really fucking stand it. I don't understand it's, why. <laughs> like, if you're gonna have bad sequels to horror films, just go for it, go bonkers, and that's what I like about Halloween three. Is it just is like. <laughs> I don't care about anything. We're going to just, I will watch Halloween three before I watch four, five, six resurrection H2O Rob zombie versions. <laughs> I, I liked H2O, but I would watch Halloween three first. No, now you're speaking my language. It's so bad. You got to watch it like that. I see when I watch Halloween bad. three, it doesn't even register that it's a Halloween movie. Sure. I mean, it does and it doesn't, right? Because it's not John Carpenter, but it has like a lot of the hallmarks of his style because it's actually somebody that worked on the first Halloween movie. It's the the most John Carpenter, non-John Carpenter directed movie. Oh, absolutely. But it's just, it's so bonkers. It's got that stupid jingle for Silver Shamrock (laughs) that will worm its way into your brain. And it's the second or third most earwormy thing i've ever heard behind like the theme to ducktales and uh you know maybe never going to give you up like it just gets in there and you can't get it out um but it's just it's such a bonkers fun movie and i love it and i got i was lucky enough to get to see it on a big screen a few years ago oh um, really for it was uh our local theater would do an uh these all night Uh um halloween things every year and so that year they did halloween one halloween two Halloween three season of the witch and Halloween 2018. And they played, it was like $15 or something like that. And you got to go see all four movies that night. That's a perfect night. Amazing. That's awesome. Awesome. And one of the things I was uh, wanting to talk to you about as well, I I was listening to your latest episode, um, listening to it today, actually with about 12 monkeys. 
Mm-hmm. And you guys were discussing Terry Gilliam. And it's, it struck me that, you know, I don't, I saw 12 Monkeys in the theater. And I could have done that episode with you guys because I literally <laughs> remember nothing from that movie. The only thing that I slightly remember, and tell me if this is in that movie or not, I remember sure. CGI giraffes running across yep. a bridge. So that happened. Yes, there were giraffes on a bridge. There was a scene early in the movie where there's a lion on top of a, uh, like a library, like a, walking along the, the roof of a library. That I don't remember. Um, yeah, it's Terry Gilliam's movies. I'm, I mentioned it on the show, but like typically you can't watch that movie once and sort of remember everything and get it because his movies are, especially a lot of his earlier stuff, was such this weird like experience that you would go through. Um, on top of just all of his filmmaking tricks of like Dutch tilts and mm-hmm. weird zooms and he would use wide angle lens and then put it right up on somebody's face. So they're all distorted and just it messes with your head. And so it's hard to remember some of those. Well, the thing um, is, I, I remember, I know I've seen most of his movies, like I've seen mm-hmm. Baron Munchausen. I've seen, uh, the, um, uh, what are some of the other, the Brazil time bandits, time Brazil. Bandits. I've seen all those movies and I don't remember anything from them. So it's like his <laughs> movies do like a mind wipe on me after I've seen them. It kind of, yeah, a little bit of that. It took me quite a while before I started. And, and I remember movies that I saw when I was a kid, like pretty vividly, but mm-hmm. it took me a while to, to really lock in Terry Gilliam's movies and be able to recall them because your brain is just so bombarded with, with visual audio stuff that's so discordant and it does, it kind of mind wipes you a little bit. Uh, my dad always said like, I can't watch a Terry Gilliam movie one time and get it. That happened to me once. I went and saw the brothers Grimm in theaters and I walked out of that and I was like, I understood all of that the first time. That's the worst Terry Gilliam movie I've ever seen. And even then I've (laughs) seen that movie. Nothing (laughs) like does nothing about that movie stuck in my brain. And I don't know what well, it is about his, his particular movies I've seen and, and nothing. I got nothing. It's because he's a mad genius is what he is. <laughs> and unfortunately, he also can be kind of uh, difficult sometimes in interviews. But that also makes for like some of the most in- interesting interviews and documentaries you'll ever see. My favorite Terry Gilliam thing of all time is a documentary called Lost in La Mancha. And it's about him trying to make because he came out with a movie about two or three years ago called the man who killed don quixote and it starred adam driver that movie he had been trying to make for 20 years and back in the early 2000s he was working on it and i have never seen so much go so wrong so quickly like (laughs) anything that could possibly happen to stop him from making that movie happened including but not limited to his star who was supposed to play Don Quixote in it becoming too sick to ride a horse. And so he couldn't be Don Quixote anymore. Mm -hmm. And there was a storm that rolled through. They were shooting somewhere in Spain. I think it was. And a storm rolled through one night and it was such a bad storm that it literally changed the landscape. Wow. And they couldn't, they couldn't use anything they had shot because everything was completely different after that. Like it eroded stuff and just this torrential downpour. It was, it was like 
the powers, somebody from up on high was telling Terry Gilliam, no, you are not making, I don't care. Well, I will change the earth to stop you from making this movie. Have you ever seen, that reminds me of that documentary about uh, the making of The Island of Dr. Moreau. Have you ever seen that documentary? Oh, yep. Yeah. Um, that's another one of those movies. That, like, how does, sometimes, how did it even get made? Like, you hear about these horror stories about those movies. And you just like, it's a miracle that they even got made. Honestly, it's a miracle any movie gets made. And I was watching a video. I was talking about, I can't remember what movie they were talking about. Um, but they had the quote in, the, in their video of a movie getting made and finished is like throwing a dart from space and hitting a bullseye. It's a miracle it ever happens. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you see some of these behind the scenes things is like, yeah, it really is. Like so many things have to go right. And I was having a discussion with somebody recently about directors because we were talking about Denis Villeneuve. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, he did Blade Runner 2049, Dune, Sicario. He's done these amazing things. And part of it is that he is such a good artist and this visual filmmaker. But as a director, you also have to be an incredible project manager mm -hmm. and you have to be able to delegate and keep all the plates spinning. And it's just, it's amazing. And, and to hear some of these horror stories, it's like, wow, you, you, you made a movie and look, Island of Dr. Moreau isn't good. I mean, no. I'll just come <laughs> right out and say that. But the fact they got anything done is miraculous. When you got Marlon Brando showing up, just being like eh, script, I don't need a script. I'm just going to make stuff up because that's what I feel like doing. And I'm going to show up out of shape and <laughs> who cares? I'm Marlon Brando. I'm going to do what I want. And what do you do at that point as a director? You're just like, you're Marlon Brando. Do what you want. I'll point a camera at you and hopefully something good happens. Must be nice to wield that kind of power. <laughs> yeah. Just show up when yeah. you want. I mean, <laughs> you, it must be, right? It's got to be great to be Marlon Brando and be able to do that. But at the same time, use your powers for good. Help other people. Out. Yeah. I mean, that's not the first movie you heard horror, horror stories about him. Personally, no, I mean, no. look at uh, Superman when they were filming Superman, like he refused to learn his lines like they had to literally write his lines down and tape them everywhere yeah. he was going to be looking <laughs> so that he could he could say his lines like and they paid him what, like two or three million dollars for like a day's worth of work. So did it from Superman? Didn't he get in an argument with Richard Donner about how he wanted Jor-El to just be a bagel? He did. Yeah, that's true. That is a true story. Like, I'm not making that actually happen. That actually happened. <laughs> actors, man, actors are weird. I mean, think of all the stories you've heard of Daniel Day-Lewis, where they like, yeah. was it my left foot where he was making people carry him around set? Well, that's if he something, wasn't in his wheelchair? method acting is something that I just cannot understand. Like, I personally, I've acted, I've been to active years of acting classes and stuff. I've been on sets, I've been in on movies, and I just don't understand how, like, you, you're acting, you're playing a part, when the camera goes on, you hit action, you know, it's, it should be able, you should be able to turn it on and off to, to, you should. to act. If you know you who does that is Gary Oldman. Yeah. Right? Gary, yeah. Gary Oldman, I think it was, I want to say it was Air Force One, and he was shooting a scene in that, and of course... If you've ever seen Air Force One, you know what he's like in that movie. No, it wasn't that. It was the professional. That's yeah. what it was. And he's, I mean, his character is awful in the professional. And he was, 
Uh, I think he had like frightened Natalie Portman or something, <laughs> but then the cameras would go off and he would just be like, Hey, I'm Gary. How you doing? And just be super friendly. Yeah. And someone asked him, he's like, it's called acting dear boy. That's what you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, which is super impressive because I get, I get method acting to a point, but when you are making people call you Andy Kaufman, whether you're on camera or not, yeah, or you're doing some of these other crazy things that method actors, method acting is not a license to be a dick to everybody, which some people, and I'm not going to name any names, but they do that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had something caught in my throat. Yeah. There. Um, they do that. And it's just like, mm, come on, you, you're better than that. Like, these people have good skill at acting. You don't need to, you don't need to stay in character all the time. And in fact, a lot of that's a fallacy anyway. Like that's not actually what the method that, uh, was it Stanislavski? I think is the name that always comes up that like his whole thing had nothing to do with that. Yeah. At all. So it's just so weird. Like, I, I don't it is know. weird. If I was on a set or a movie and somebody, and, and and they do it for like the stupidest movies too, like Jared Leto like Suicide making, Squad. Yeah, like yeah. walking around like not worth it, bro. Make him be the joke. Like, dude, you're the fucking Joker. <laughs> like, just turn to, it on to, and off, man. Like, you don't to have be to be fair. I mean, the Joker kind of killed Heath Ledger, so like that I think is there a was bit more of a beast to that of a story role. than just the, him being the Joker. But nah, that's just me. Oh, yeah, there was a lot more going on there. But, like, I mean, look, it didn't kill Jack Nicholson. He yeah. did it. And he True. was a crazy. He, honestly, his Joker was really crazy, too. People don't remember. Yeah. Unless you go uh, back it, and watch Batman, his Joker's unhinged. Yeah, his Joker was wild. He was out here wild. He just, he, what he had was he had a, a restrained uh, craziness to him where, like, it was all internal. Whereas Jared Leto was like, I'm just going to paint it all over my face and yeah. become the try-hard joker and it didn't work i feel like with method acting though like there's it's kind of getting phased out like you can't you can not really do it anymore because you have people like shia labeouf getting thrown off of film sets because directors are just like i'm i can replace you with anyone else like mm-hmm. you're shia fucking labeouf i'm gonna replace you with harry styles and make a better movie yeah, and it's one like it's one thing if you can do method acting in a way that is not harmful to other people and you can get a performance out of it. Giovanni Rabisi, I have yet to hear like horror stories of working with him. I think the worst one I ever heard was he did a movie in 2002 called Basic. Yeah. And uh his character had been uh like lost in the jungle for a couple of days and they brought him in and he was in a hospital bed. So he just like didn't bathe for a day or two. It was all grimy and gritty because he wanted to feel that for the character. That's not hurting anybody else. He's just like, you know, being dirty on sitting on a bed. He's not messing with other people. That's fine. Like I can, to a certain extent, I can let method acting go. It's when you start really harming or imposing that on other people where I'm like, come on. I mean, really, you don't need that. Like you don't need to mail shit to your Uh, (laughs) co-stars. Yeah doesn't you're not the joker yeah you're not actually the joker yeah i feel like that also pertains to like what kanye west is doing right now like, <laughs> you're not the joker you know no no <laughs> no that's some, like, that's like some joaquin phoenix level uh yeah performance art that's going on the problem is is that joaquin phoenix knew at some point the performance ends and i can go back to just being a normal yeah. dude 
or as normal as Joaquin Phoenix is ever going to be. Yeah. Uh, Kanye hasn't hasn't reached that level of self-awareness. I feel like everyone in Hollywood is just tired of people like trying to do whatever they want just because they're like really good at what they do. Like it doesn't give you an excuse to just like trespass into sketchers. Like you can't (laughs) do that just because you're Kanye West. No. And also like, it's just so much more of there's more uh, people are being held accountable. Mm -hmm. You can't get away with that shit. And it just like it brushed under the, the carpet like it used to be yeah I mean, well, that's what i was gonna say i mean in the in the world of social media you can't get away with just that kind of shit anymore no somebody is always watching you always mm-hmm. and the at some point the bill's gonna come due on what you've done <laughs> so you better be able to deal with that but uh but you your um wait you haven't seen podcast is coming up on 200 episodes here really soon yeah uh, uh, should be sometime just after the first of the year. We'll hit 200. So did you think you were going to go 200 episodes? I didn't think I was going to go 10, honestly. <laughs> I mean, when I started it, I started doing the show. It was me and I would bring in, I would rope in a, a couple of friends of mine. And for the first probably 10 or 15 episodes, it was all people I knew from around here uh, hopping on there. And then I got lucky in that I got selected to be on the second season of um, America's Next Top Podcaster, hosted by Brian Ibbett. And that competition did so much for me. I learned so much doing it, and I met so many people, and that let me branch out and start getting in touch with more and more people and, and spreading it out. And to get close to 200 episodes, I also, not only am I coming up on 200 episodes, I haven't missed a week since I started making the show. I started wow. it in March of 2019, and I have done a recording and release something every single week since then. That's awesome, man. Not even taking a week off. That's, that's dedication. And it's just, I just enjoy doing it. So, and then at one point I realized, wow, I haven't missed a week yet. Ah, just see how long I can keep this street going. It's eventually I'm going to miss one. I know. Uh, but getting COVID didn't stop it. Hmm. I, I, because I was lucky COVID didn't hit me until a Tuesday. So by Sunday yeah. I was fine <laughs> and I'd record on Sunday. Well, it's such a cool but, premise for a podcast. I mean, it's either, you or the guest you have on, one of you, you're watching and talking about a movie that one or the other has not seen before, and you mm-hmm. watch it and then discuss it. And it's always a, a, a great discussion, when, especially, especially like the, the episode that we did. I had you watch a movie called Freaked, which yeah. is a, an Alex Winter movie from the early 90s. And um, Jacob, have you ever seen the movie Freaked? No, dude, we talked about this. You recommended it to me, and I haven't been able to find it anywhere to watch it. The only way to watch it right now is on, you can watch it on YouTube. Somebody uploaded it to YouTube, either that or get the DVD, which the DVDs are really expensive these days. It's one of those movies, it's like Dogma. You can't find Dogma anywhere online. It's not available. Um, I actually just talked to somebody who's like, I found the the special edition DVD in a bargain bin for a dollar. I'm like, you bought it, right? Because... That, those are rare, but yeah, yeah Freaked is Freaked is a hell of a movie, Jacob. You got to watch it. It's, <laughs> yeah. You're you're well, not whatever you think it is. You're not ready for it, dude. And that's I, in the best ways possible. I definitely want to watch it because I I loved Alex Winter before I met him, 
So I would love to watch that movie. <laughs> That's what we were talking about we on the show. We had that talk, didn't we? Yeah. Because uh, I met Alex Winter at Pensacon this last, was it this last year or year before? Yeah, yeah it was this last year, yeah. And uh, talked to him about being on this show here. And man, when I walked up to him to and, and said hi, he just looked like I had shit smeared on my face. Like he didn't want anything to do with me. No. Yeah, and I had a completely separate interaction where I mentioned nothing about wanting him to do anything other than just sign a Bill and Ted DVD that I had brought him, and he acted like it was the biggest fucking inconvenience of his <laughs> life. And I'm like, dude, this is why you're here. Like, yeah. I'm paying you $40 for, to, for you to sign a fucking DVD. I'm an idiot. Like, why are you acting like this? That's That sucks. I mean, it... I I always have trouble like it's always a 50-50 thing when I meet anybody that's got any level of celebrity because I have no idea what their day's been like leading up to it. True. I have been lucky. I have yet to have a bad interaction with anyone I've met. We have a local film festival used to run here. Um in fact, I think it will again at some point, but no, they did it this year. It took like two or two years off, I think. But in the early days of it, I would volunteer and help out and I was a stage manager. So I would be off stage handing microphones out when everybody would go up and before the movies would start. And so I got to meet, it was um, put on by Michael Moore. Oh, nice. He was one of the founders of it. And so I got to meet like the most random selection of people like Jeff Garland, uh, Phil Donahue. For really? some reason was at it. I don't even remember why. <laughs> Is he still um, alive? Jesus. <laughs> I, I mean, this was, this was about, 15 years ago but yeah yeah wow he, uh, i think he still is um i met malcolm mcdowell oh nice because um, the i think it was the third year of the festival they played all of stanley kubrick's films oh wow and they had malcolm mcdowell came into town and jan harlan who was the producer for most of them and was stanley's um brother-in-law so i got to meet him and it was great because i got to see all of any Kubrick movie I wanted to on a big screen. Oh, that's cool. Which that was awesome. Like seeing Barry Lyndon, seeing 2001, a space odyssey on a huge screen. Like we had in this single screen. Theater I feel like that's just, really the only way to watch that movie is on a big, huge screen. <laughs> kind of is when I did that one for the show. Um, my, my guest for that one was like, eh, I was kind of bored watching this movie. I'm like, yeah, I guess it's not I meant it. to be seen on, you know, a TV screen. It's meant to be, huge and just epic yeah mm -hmm. i haven't but, seen it so uh i mean and then our local comic con <laughs> that we have here um i've gotten to meet brian o'halloran mm -hmm. uh dante from clerks he was great oh yeah um, who cares <laughs> uh, well you know there? i mean i work with brian on uh monsters anonymous there you know <laughs> and then he's uh, been on the show before yeah. okay uh billy west billy oh west, wow awesome he was yeah. great he, I've met Billy he, West before at Pensacon. I mean, I didn't get anything signed from him or anything, but I said hi to him. He's a nice guy. Yeah, my, uh, my old stepson, he had a little uh, sketch that he had gotten commissioned earlier in the day of Zoidberg. And so he got <laughs> Billy West to sign that. That's cool. That's awesome. So that, was, that was fun. So I've been lucky in that my interactions yeah. have all been good. But yeah, it's, it's rough when you meet somebody. Because one, you, I, like I said, you don't know what their day is going to be like. But two, sometimes they're just dicks. And, yeah. and it's a bummer to find that out. Well, it's like uh, you, you should know, like in context, if someone's coming to your table, there's a hundred percent chance that they probably idolize you and oh, you're yeah. going to like shit all over their image of you for the rest of their life. 
Yeah, I've met a lot of people, and Alex Winter is probably one of the worst celebrities I've ever met. I would put him up there. I think the best celebrity I've ever met. Do you guys know who Matt Ryan is? He plays Constantine. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. The oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, like, the nicest person. He's so nice that it's, like, disarming. <laughs> or, like, I would walk by his table after meeting him, and he would stop me and ask me, like, hey, is, is, like, is your day going all right? Like, is everything cool? I'm wow. like, yeah, man, like everything's awesome. Like you want to talk to me again. Like he's that's insanely cool. nice. Him and, and Ross Marquand from The Walking Dead, both insanely nice. Okay. You know who I oh. met that uh, was a surprising encounter was I, I met Chris, uh, Chris Evans at uh, mm. Wizard World back in like 2014 or 15 or something. And IMDb, I don't have it pulled up, but his IMDb has him listed as like six one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm six three. I was easily a foot taller than him. I'm like, <laughs> you lie. <laughs> yeah, but he it's, has a giant piece on him, so it makes up for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's that's like program height, right? For for athletes, like right. Yeah, you know. You, you always got a you always got a monkey with that a little bit. It's I just recently yeah. the picture resurfaced of Arnold Schwarzenegger with uh, Andre the Giant and Will mm-hmm. Chamberlain, mm-hmm. and it's such a brilliant picture because they make Arnold look like their little brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and look, I mean, Arnold isn't as tall as you would think oh. when you see him in movies, mm-hmm. but he's still not a small person, and he just looks so tiny next to them. Like celebrities are funny. Bruce Willis used to um, frequent my hometown because we have. Right next to it, there's this little art school um, that's kind of world-renowned. And his daughter went to the school. So he would be in town every once in a while. And I can remember seeing him like at our shopping mall. Um, and a buddy of mine would uh, saw him one day in a store, and he kind of leans over, and he looks in, and he just goes, yeah, I could take him. <laughs> <laughs> and and Bruce, Bruce Willis is nowhere near as tall as you would think either. He's like I'm sure he's tiny. best 5'10". You know yeah. who's the tallest? The tallest celebrity I ever met was uh, the guy that played Opie on Sons of Anarchy. Uh, do you oh know yeah, talking about? Um, uh, Ryan. Ryan Fuck, what is name? his last name? Ryan it's Hurst. Ryan Hurst. Hmm, okay, I met. I met him. him as well. He is fucking. Giant. <laughs> he is a giant. I am six three, and he was easily a foot taller, maybe more than a foot taller than me. He had to be well over seven feet tall. That is one of the tallest humans I've ever seen. We got to tell you guys about B-Res Coffee Company. That's right. B-Res Coffee is a small business established here on the Gulf Coast that was created for gamers by gamers. Whatever kind of coffee you like, they got you covered. Like the out-of-this-world chocolate and caramel flavored roast. Or the Two Hardies One Ship, which is a rum and dark chocolate flavored roast. You can even get your very own Open Micers Roast of Coffee. So if you like us, you'll like this dark roast too. So head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use our code OMPODCAST for 10% off of your order. I remember um, at a con here in Mississippi in Biloxi, I met Sam J. Jones, who's Flash Gordon. And I, I didn't think he was all that tall or anything, but I met him with two friends of mine. And I, I think it's the first time I've ever been the smallest person in a picture. <laughs> Because I'm I'm six foot even. My friends were six three and six six, and Sam J. Jones is like six two. And oh, nice. I just, I just I look like I'm like 
five five <laughs> standing next to all the. Well, speaking of CoastCon, this kind of ties back to 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 you, Travis. With uh, we let's watch Highlander. I um the first, well, the, one of the celebrities I met um, when I first started going to conventions was at at a CoastCon here, in in Biloxi, and um, they had um oh crap, Adrian Paul, who plays oh, nice. Duncan. At yep. the convention, he was like the big celebrity that year, and he was not having it. He was having the <laughs> worst time. I walked past his table, and I heard him. He like leaned over to his handler, and he had his phone like it was at the time. It was a flip phone, and mm-hmm. he was like yelling and like not like quiet yelling into the flip phone. It must have been like his manager. He was just like, <laughs> "Get me the fuck out of here!" I, <laughs> I was just like, "Damn, man, is it that bad?" Oh, man. Dude, I uh, I met Kevin Sorbo, and he was selling his own DVDs of stuff. <laughs> I'm was, sorry. He had he had just copies of direct to DVD uh, movies that he was in, trying wow. to sell to people three dollars each. You know that doesn't like, surprise me. No, I don't me. want one. That doesn't surprise me at all. No thanks. No, no thanks, Kay. I'm good. <laughs> like I don't even want one for free, dude. Like I don't want any of that. Um. So. It's funny, Ryan Hurst is actually listed as six foot five and a half. There's no, he's way over that. Yeah, no, now, he's at least like six, seven, dude. Now, I will say this, the, I have, I worked twice with guys that were six foot 10 and legitimately yeah. six foot 10, um, which is insane. But the tallest celebrity I ever met was Bill Lambeer, who's a former uh, pro basketball player. Oh. He was playing a softball tournament. He's six foot 11 and all of that. <laughs> I was about eight years old at the time. And he was signing autographs and he grabbed, I had a hat on for the, it was the Detroit Pistons like world championship hat. He grabbed the hat and started signing it. I don't think he realized there was a kid underneath it. <laughs> like, cause I came up to like his thigh. Yeah. Like I was really above his knee and it's insane how big that is. Like you don't, you don't grasp it. I'm six foot four mm. and I'm usually one of the bigger people in a room. So when Same. I'm around these guys that are like six ten, and it's like, could you, could you go somewhere else and block yeah. out the sun? Please? <laughs> it's very rare. Because like like you're six four, I'm six three. It's very rare to come across people that are taller than we are. And when it does happen, it's it's striking. You're just like, holy mm-hmm. shit, that dude's tall. Because like Kevin like, Nash, Kevin Nash is one of the tallest people I've ever seen in my life too. Oh yeah, it's it's crazy. It, like legit height like that is just nuts. I mean, and I live in uh, it's a like place how do your Northern bones not crumble when you're that tall? <laughs> I was at, it's like everything, even at my height, the world isn't built for me. Exactly. I hit my head on everything. I don't know about you. I have in the most, in the last few years, I've gotten a bed that's a California King. Hmm. So it's a King size bed, but it's a little bit longer. I used to have one. Yeah. That is the first bed I have ever had where my feet don't hang off the end of it ever in my life. I know the pain. I haven't taken a, I haven't been able to take a bath in a bathtub since I was like 14. Dude, when I, every once in a while, I like to take a good soak in my bathtub with some Epsom salts because I'm an old man and I hurt. <laughs> yeah. yeah of when, I, when I get in my tub, it's like, have you ever seen those videos online of like, you know, when they put like a kiddie pool out for the baby elephants? That's what it looks yeah. like when I'm in the tub. Yeah. It's like, I can have my legs in the water. I can have my torso in the water. They can't be in there yeah. at the same time doesn't Dude, work i can sit in my tub and my ass will be all the way back at one side of the tub and my feet are touching the other side of the tub that's mm-hmm. how that's how ridiculous it is yeah it's 
So I can't imagine trying to be like Shaq. Like, oh, can you the entire, imagine? You have to build your entire world because not he is, only him, but Andre the Giant. Have you ever seen that um, the documentary about Andre the Giant? Like when he goes to, when he would used to go to wrestle in Japan. Like, oh yeah, how? <laughs> there was a great interview with Jake the Snake Roberts talking about spending some time with Andre. And during the interview, he said something about, um, you know, Andre had to take a dump and he had to do it in the bathtub. And they're like, in the bathtub? And, and Jake stops and just looks at the interview and he's like, where the, where the hell is a giant going to take a shit in the toilet? Like, it's just not right. big enough. Like, oh. he's just got to hang over the side of the bathtub and do it and then just hose it down. Oh, that's so nasty. <laughs> it is, but like, I get it. I mean, it's just nothing is built for you. Like, you're Andre the Giant, unless you're at the zoo, you're probably the biggest mammal in the room. Like, and even the, even at the zoo, it's toss-up, depending. Yeah. I, so, can, I could imagine uh, being that big of a human being. Like, it's awful being 6'3 sometimes, because they're like, there's certain cars I can't buy or even get into. Yep. <laughs> like, you know, like, it, it, I have to watch my head, because people are, are people always talk about, like, how, you know, the, uh, they wish they were taller or whatever. I'm like, no, you don't, because this world's made for people that are five and a half feet tall. Like, I hit my fucking head on yeah. everything. Dude, it sucks being six feet tall and just, like, three feet wide. Like, if you're a wide boy like me, <laughs> fucking, you gotta go sideways everywhere. Bubba. Yeah. It's it's rough. I've thought about redoing my kitchen and raising all my countertops by, like, you know, an inch and a half or two inches so that my back doesn't hurt when I try to cook dinner. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I have to stoop over for everything. Just And it's just enough. That's like, oh, I'm fine. But if I do anything for more than five minutes, oh, my back is killing me. I had to custom build the desk that I'm using so it was the right height for me. See, like I'm sitting here at my desk right now and where the desk height is at, like I've got the seat as low as it can go, my <laughs> desk chair, and I'm like stooping over like like lurch <laughs> just so I can <laughs> yeah, like, be, comf be like sit here and, and like not, you know. Because if I sit up straight, like everything's like too damn low. Like it's yeah. not a world made for tall people. It's just not. Nope. It really, it really isn't. It's made for the average. It's made for people yeah. between like five, five and five, nine. Yeah. And if you're outside of that range, it world's not for you. You gotta. But ironically, like, uh, women will not give anyone below six foot time of day. <laughs> that's also typically true, which is unfortunate because I know some great. I know some. I know some great guys that are five nine. And I love. Oh uh, yeah, dude! Shout out to the short kings. You know what? I, Shout I, out I, Derek Diamond. You know what I'm saying? I love the show to, <laughs> that we're doing tonight. Like Jacob has like laundry behind. Him. I love how Jacob has like different <laughs> backgrounds. Barely everything. holding it together, Bubba. You'll see on the video. You'll see my His girlfriend, girlfriend's coming in, coming in grabbing clothes. <laughs> If you listen real close, you hear my daughter screaming bloody fucking yeah. murder behind and, me. Okay? Hey, at least this week you're not coming to us from, you know, a bombed out bunker in the Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> no, that. Um, speaking of, of large actors, though, have you guys ever, do you know who Reb Brown is? Have you ever met Reb Brown? Yeah, uh, I never met him, but I know, I know of Reb Brown. He yeah. is in one of, uh, one of my favorite episodes of uh, Mr. Science Theater 3000 ever made. Uh, yeah. had a, was a red brown movie called uh, Space Mutiny. I know that actor red brown. So he, he played, played Captain America in, in the Captain America oh, TV yeah, yeah. and yeah. Captain America 2 Death Too Soon. 
Yep. And I, I met him the same day that I met Luke Ferrigno at a convention. And I, Jeez. and I took pictures with both of them and felt how big they were. And I put my hand on their respective backs. And I will say that Reb Brown is the most solid human being I've ever touched <laughs> in my entire life. He's 79 years old, if Jeez. I remember correctly. And he is, he's listed as 6'4". He's not 6'4". He's at least 6'7", because he's taller than Luke Ferrigno. And he is jacked to the absolute guilt. Like, it's like touching just a brick shit out. This guy's back. <laughs> that's Red, Red Brown and Lou Ferrigno. That's a couple sides of beef right there. Why yeah. they never did Captain huge. America and Incredible Hulk and have them both in the, uh, on the screen at the same time. Have you guys, have you ever experienced that original Captain America movie that was made? Oh, yeah. The, the Red Brown one, the one yeah. where he's on the motorcycle? Yeah. I have. Um, I've seen that. I've seen the one from 1990, the Captain America, where he has rubber ears. That is uh, a... Uh, seen that, that, is, that is another good one. That is a movie to oh. behold. One of them had Christopher Lee in it as the villain, didn't it? I don't remember now. It's been a while. I know I've seen them, but it's been a long time. Because uh, the one from 1990 starred matt salinger jd salinger's son um and it had uh yeah uh ronnie cox was in it as the president of the united states um <laughs> love ronnie the red cox. skull the, the red skull was italian for whatever reason in the movie they, they changed it and he was italian and he's only the, like the red skull in the beginning of the movie and then he has plastic surgery to make him look like a normal person for the rest of the movie but just like his face is a little off. It's so weird. It's such a such a weird movie. But I've seen that. I've seen the old, all the old Hulk stuff. Not not just the show, but the movies, like the Trial of the Incredible Hulk mm -hmm. that oh, had Daredevil fantastic. in it. Fantastic uh, movie. The one with uh, Thor. Mm -hmm. If you remember that one. Um, yeah, I remember watching that one live when it when it came on the TV. I was so hyped up for that. I was like, "Holy crap, Thor and Hulk! It's gonna be awesome." I rem I didn't I don't remember seeing that one when it aired on TV, but I definitely remember seeing the trial because I remember uh, Daredevil and he was in all black for some reason. They didn't have him in the red suit. Yeah, they probably uh, yeah. couldn't afford it. And that yeah, and that bugged me. That that bothered me and it bothered my dad because my dad was a big Daredevil fan. Like half of the comics that he had still uh, were Daredevil, um, including the one that either he or his brother went through and drew a mustache and goatee on every image of daredevil in the comic. <laughs> You're correct, Jacob. Uh, Captain America Two: death too soon did have Christopher Lee as the bad guy. Wow. Miguel. I, I have so much useless information about Christopher Lee. It's insane, dude. One of my favorite actors of all time. That was a good Love call, man. What was it? I just read that he was almost in and turned it down. And considered it to be something that he regretted i remember you you were talking about this on the show not too long ago i think um yeah what uh, was it i think it was well, on the what, halloween episode you were talking about something oh yeah that's what it was it was halloween he was he was, he was offered originally loomis? offered the role of loomis oh yeah, yeah. that would have been yeah. pretty cool made it a <laughs> much better movie carpenter wanted loomis uh he first wanted either christopher lee or peter cushing to play sam loomis in that movie and they both turned it down um i guess peter cushing turned it down like his agent turned it down for him 
and Christopher Lee didn't want to do it at first. And then later on was like, I should have. And, you know, the rest is history. But that's what it was. So that's crazy that he was in the Captain America 2, Death Too Soon. That's crazy. Like yeah. he, he'll As do Captain America 2 TV uh, uh, movie, but he won't do Halloween. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he was already an established actor when he did that TV movie. Well, dude, oh, he, in the 70s. He's been working since the 40s. Like, what the fuck? Dude, Why did had, you do it? He had already been Dracula for like 20 years, and he was like the. <laughs> in- the story goes that he was the inspiration for uh james bond because yeah. he knew um who was it that right writes the james bond ian books? fleming ian, ian fleming. fleming he was a friend of his yeah he was a friend of ian fleming in world war Two, and he was like the basis i guess or like the inspiration for yeah. james bond so and and he's the only person that worked on the lord of the rings that actually knew jrr tolkien as a person his yeah. like the the life of Christopher Lee doesn't make sense. Like no. it, you, the more you hear about it, the less believable it is, and it all happened. He was at the last beheading in Paris, France, <laughs> in like nineteen seventy. No, he wasn't, dude. Come yeah. on. And like nineteen, I think nineteen seventy eight was the very last public beheading they had in Paris, France, and he was there. Like and they de- they used to use guillotines on people until the 1970s it what's crazy is how recent that is i know i i was alive when that when that happened what's crazy is that we don't still do it (laughs) (laughs) and i love to like uh the the stories of christopher lee on the set of you know all the lord of the rings films which they were smart right because christopher lee was already in his 80s at that point and they cast him and they were filming everything back to back so it's like, that's a safer investment. Whereas George Lucas cast him and then wanted him to come back years later to do another Star Wars movie. It's like, it's a risk. It's a risk. You're rolling the dice. This guy is not young anymore. Yeah. Um, but I love in, I think it's, it was in uh, Return of the King where his character, you know, Saruman gets stabbed in the back. And it's a great story from Peter Jackson because he's like, so I'm telling him, you know, oh, you're going to get stabbed in the back and you're going to scream and all this. And he just stops and he looks at me and he just says, do you know the sound that someone makes when they get stabbed in the back? And Peter Jackson's like, I know. He goes, well, I do. And Peter Jackson's like, so I just backed up and said, fine, you do what you think is right for the scene. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he yeah, was I mean, in he was World War II. And uh, yeah. was a, like a, a war hero, so I'm pretty sure he does know what people sound yeah. like to be killed oh, up close. And then he put out metal albums, too. I know. He did metal awesome. albums. Like, he's the coolest person to ever live. Yeah, he seriously is. <laughs> he's like the, he's like the metal Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but what oh, was your favorite so, episode so cool. that you've done so far? For uh, wait, you haven't seen. If you haven't listened to the, anybody listening to this, go check out Wait You Haven't Seen podcast. It's fantastic. Wait, there's, you haven't seen. Plen- wait, you haven't seen. Exactly. <laughs> there's plenty of backlog. You got 190, 91 episodes to go through. So, um, man, favorite episode. You know, it's tough because there's something in every episode that I really enjoy. I just love having the conversations. But I will say that. Um, the most the 
the one you just listened to on 12 monkeys was a lot of fun for me because um sp my guest did not like the movie Mm -hmm. at all um and i love that movie and i love terry gilliam so it was great i i honestly enjoy that sometimes because it can lead to really interesting conversations Uh, it happened with um tank girl was an early episode Mm -hmm. that i did where i had three of my friends on for that and they all hated the movie (laughs) well it's one of those movies that you either get the campiness of it and you really get mm -hmm. into it and you enjoy it for what it is or you absolutely hate it there's really no kind of in between for that movie yeah um, but for, for me personally, my favorite episodes are the ones where something surprises me. So when I saw um, The Triplets of Belleville, which is a French animated film, mm-hmm. um, that movie blew me away. It was so wonderful uh, and such, a, such an interesting movie. Um, actually, the same thing with the same guest uh, had been on earlier, um, Amy Frost. And she, she had me watch Triplets of Belleville, but but about a year before that, she had me watch Amelie for the first time. Mm. And like, there's no, like 20 year old me had no interest in seeing Amelie when it came out. Um, and then I watched it, you know, later on. And it, again, it just, it surprised me with how much I enjoyed the movie. And those are the things I really like is when I can have either that conversation that's surprising to me, or I watch that movie for the first time. And I'm blown away by it. Um, even something that I had no expectations for was an anime called Redline, uh, where I had uh, the two hosts of The More You Nerd, Drew and Miles on. And that was just like, it was so much fun. And it was such a movie that I wasn't, I wasn't expecting and I wasn't mm-hmm. ready for. And I'm the kind of guy, I like everything. Um, it's, it takes a lot for me to be like, okay, that movie is purely bad and I don't ever want to watch it again. Um, which would probably be freaked, two, the, the movie I made you watch. <laughs> actually, no, freaked, freaked out watching. There's two movies in the 191 that I have done so far. 192 movies and 191 episodes. There's two that I have no desire to watch again. One of them you might be able to convince me to watch, and that's Miami Vice. Um, <laughs> I was bored through that movie, and it's a bummer because Jamie Foxx is a good actor. Mm. I, I like Colin Farrell a lot. I like Michael Mann and Michael Mann was responsible for making Miami vice in the first place, but it felt like a movie made by somebody who hated Miami vice. And and that's, I never saw that movie because it just seemed, it seems like one of those movies that just, I just would have no interest in watching. It just kind of was like a dead fish. It just sort of was there. It, the, it visually didn't do much for me because it was an early movie of digital um, cinema. And so it had this like, really washed out color palette and it just it it just didn't do anything for me so there was that one and then there was uh m night Shyamalan's the last airbender which was just hot garbage i'll i refuse to watch that movie (laughs) i mean don't it's not it's not worth seeing but you know i just i love so many movies and i just and and to to watch them to see the storytelling maybe it's because of the whole throw a dart from space and hit a bullseye like i'm always fascinated that a movie even makes it uh to print let alone be good that I kind of give a lot of leeway. So there's some stuff I like that people hate. Um, and I'm fine with that. You can, you can be that way. You can not agree with me that running scared is the best buddy cop film ever made. I don't care. You're wrong, but you can disagree with me. Um, and that's the fun part is then having that conversation like 12 monkeys was great. It's fresh in my brain, but it was great because I love that movie so much. And SP just had nothing great to say about it. 
but yet he, but really he loved the TV show the series. Yeah. yeah. And so, but it was, it was nice because then we could have a conversation and we could kind of look at things like I kind of took from the, from the conversation. It was Gilliam's style that really didn't register with him. And yeah. that's the parts of 12 monkeys that for me are the most memorable is how madcap it is, how just crazy. It makes you almost feel crazy while you're watching it. Um, I'm fascinated by stuff like that. Uh, I love when, when you can dive into now, is it cartoonish in the way that it portrays mental illness? Yes. But I'm still fascinated by like showing that. And this whole idea of your main character, is he really going through what's happening or not? And that kind of stuff I really like. So for me, it was a great movie. Didn't, didn't hit with him, but it was fun to talk about that and compare and contrast our, our ideas of what the movie should and shouldn't be. Yeah. So. Well, my favorite yeah. episodes are, are, are definitely the ones where you do John Carpenter movies like uh, In the Mouth of Madness, things, oh, yeah. things of that nature. And you just did Prince of Darkness a couple episodes ago. And that's a very, underrated. very underrated John Carpenter movie. And you guys really gave it love. And I was so happy that you guys enjoyed it. So John Carpenter is probably on my personal Mount Rushmore of directors because he always has such a vision for what he wants to put on screen and he and he does he follows through whether i mean halloween for me is the best slasher movie i've ever seen i love it um i you can have your friday the 13th and and honestly like nightmare on elm street friday the 13th better franchise overall i think if you look at all of the movies but halloween for me it it created that it wasn't the first slasher movie but it really defined what a slasher movie should be and yeah. how it works. And the fact that they did it all with no blood, there's very little language in it. There's some, some nudity and that's about the only thing that really makes it R rated, especially by today's standards. But I love Halloween, big trouble in little China. One of my favorite movies ever. Oh, me too. Because it's Carpenter just doesn't care. He's just going to do what he wants to do. I mean, he's one of the best independent filmmakers really because his studio stuff his movies always flop, but then they have a long tail. How good they are. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, you know what's I mean, interesting about Big Trouble in Little China is I would love to see John Carpenter take another stab at it, but redo it the original way he wanted to do it and make it a western, like actually put it in the old west. That would be interesting. It really would be. Um, I think. Sometimes, though, I think those happy accidents are what make it. Part of what makes that movie work for me is that it's got that feel of a Western, but it's not in the Old West. And then he, Carpenter has this way of making something with a low budget look better than it has any right to. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween, the perfect example. He made it for $325,000, $75,000 that he spent on the cameras. Mm -hmm. But that movie looks like a million bucks. It looks so good. And a director of photography China. that knows how to shoot shit, you know? Yes. Yep. Big Trouble in Little China is the same thing where it's a low budget movie. It's, there's parts of it that look low budget, but then there's other parts that don't. And he just has his way of making it look better than it should. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really, uh, Prince of Darkness is the other one uh, that I think of with that because he's smart and he sets it all in one spot. He puts it all inside that church, basically. Um, and you can, he can maximize the money that he's spending, uh, yeah. and put it all on screen. It's always on the screen. It's not like watching, 
you know, street fighter from the mid nineties and being like, where did all the money go? Oh, well it went up John claudes nose. Well, he's just, um, he's such a genius at setting up mood and tension. And he does yes. that with not only the, the visual style, you know, the, everything feels claustrophobic. Even if you're in, even if the movie is in a huge place, it feels claustrophobic. And not, mm-hmm. he adds that John Carpenter uh, music to it. And like you guys talked yes. about, he, he doesn't really write the music until he's watching it. And then he just kind of plays to what's happening. Yep. And he manages to like Halloween is the other reason why it's my favorite slasher is that music. That music is so good. And it's so it, it sets the mood, but it doesn't tell you how to feel. Yeah. And yet, you feel weirded out the whole time because that music, the rhythm of it being in that five, four time signature, it's just off enough that your brain's like trying mm. to process it while everything else is going on. And you just, yeah, it puts you in a weird space. And I love that. That's why like Carpenter is, there's a lot of auteurs. There's a lot of directors that also write, but he also like Rodriguez is another guy that just does what he wants to do. Robert Rodriguez. Mm. He's going to write a thing. He's going to shoot it the way he wants it's going to be zany and cracked out. Like once upon a time in Mexico, I remember actually, this is a funny story. I went and saw that movie in the theater and I had seen Desperado. I had seen, uh, El Mariachi by that point. We're watching that movie in the theater and our, our local theater, this was pre digital. So everything came in on film and they had to put it together on the big platters. Whoever did that, Mr. Real. And so there was like 20 minutes of the movie missing. (laughs) None of us noticed it. We came out of the theater. It was a big group of us that went and realized that it was, that movie felt really short. Yeah. But we didn't, it didn't dawn on us that any part of the movie was missing because if you've seen the movie, you know that at one point Johnny Depp's character is blind. Well, we missed the whole scene where that happened. So he just showed up all of a sudden in the movie blind and, and we all just went with it because it's Rodriguez and we're like, eh, it, sure, it makes sense in his movies. Why not? Somebody just does random shit. So like that kind of stuff I love. I love directors that just, they're going to make what they want to make. And Carpenter is the king of that. Yeah. I mean, cause he's so talented with just everything that he can do. You know, he can do everything mm-hmm. himself if he wanted to. And he didn't set out to be a horror director. Yeah. You know, he wanted, he, he, uh, Assault on Precinct 13 is an action movie. Dark Star is sci-fi. So mm-hmm. he, he makes his, makes his bones with something like, uh, Halloween and he becomes the horror guy. So he does the thing in the fog, but he could also do Starman, which is mm-hmm. vastly different. I love Starman. Oh, it's so good. So good. Memoirs of an Invisible Man is weird, but it's, it's interesting. Yeah, his um, later stuff after I, I fi- there's there's that period of there's the the seventy eight through you know the eighties era of John Carpenter where you had all those great movies. Then you had In the Mouth of Madness, which was in the mid nineties, which I think yep. is his absolute you know pinnacle perfect film. And then after that is like a long kind of downward slope where I, most of those movies just never really connected with me anymore he had he had a little bit of trouble with uh commercial success which made it tougher and tougher for him because his because his movies had a long tail but they didn't do well in the box office so yeah if you look at from 78 and halloween you've got the fog escape from new york the thing christine it's just like one after the other Mm -hmm. after the other 
and it was somewhere around the, the first part of the 90s. In the Mouth of Madness was 94, and then he did Village of the Damned. He did Escape from L.A., and it was starting to peter out a little bit. Yeah, once he got and, to Escape from L.A., like, uh, with... <laughs> They, you know, they hired a, a computer animation studio that had never <laughs> done computer animation before. It was just kind of like that movie was, and and it was, I mean, it was also almost a shot for shot remake of New York anyway, just set in what L.A. It, yeah, what it end up like that movie? I I remember going to the theater and seeing that one too, and I remember like I don't hate Escape from L.A. and I don't hate it because. When I first saw it, I was like, eh, you know, it was Escape from New York, but it was it was fun. And it's Kurt Russell doing Snake Plissken again. And you got Stacey Keach and Bruce Campbell showing up for <laughs> random reasons. You barely recognize him. Yeah. I'm fine with all. But as I got older, I realized what he was doing there was he was kind of almost taking the piss out of himself mm. in like the types of movies that he made. And he was doing kind of a self-parody of his own earlier works. And sort of realizing, like showing that you can't just keep doing what you do. Mm -hmm. You have to evolve. And this is what would happen if you don't. And if he just makes a sequel because someone wants a sequel. Because that was the thing. Like people wanted a sequel to Escape from New York. So he finally like, here, here's your, here's your damn sequel. It's like, how do you really, how do you really do a sequel to that movie? You know, it's like, yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, he's never big on sequels anyway. Yeah. I mean, look at (laughs) Halloween too. He did not want to make that movie. No, he didn't. And you know what? The other thing with Carpenter that I will, because uh, I have said this many, many times, is I will never begrudge an actor for taking a role because they get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the famous Michael Caine line of, I've never seen Jaws the Revenge, but I very much enjoy the house that it helped yeah. me buy. <laughs> um, Carpenter is like that with directing or writing, where he, he, I remember reading uh, an article and he was giving an interview and he said, I don't care if people make sequels with my movies. Like, it's fine. Whatever. They're paying me. So yeah, it's fine. Do it. Do whatever you want. Uh, your check's going to clear and uh, that's all I care about. Yeah. He's, uh, he, that's what he's he, content with just smoking weed and playing video games. Now. Yeah. That's uh, all he does. <laughs> he was saying something about, I remember you, something about that recently where somebody asked him like, what did you think of Halloween ends or something or whatever? One of the re- most recent Halloween movies is like, eh, yeah. I still get a check, <laughs> you know? Yep. And I can respect that because he's, he has nothing to prove at this point. Oh, and, yeah. His legacy know, so, is cemented, so. Yeah. Because you can't, you can't take away that stretch of movies. Like, 78 to, to really 94, if you take out Memoirs of an Invisible Man, mm-hmm. they're all just like, you can find somebody that's got one of those movies on a, on a top list somewhere. Oh, they yeah. live uh, is, I mean, they live has the greatest fight scene. One of the greatest <laughs> fight scenes ever in movie. And still one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean that, that movie still the, the story of that movie just holds up even today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and it's great because they adapted it off of just a little sci-fi short mm-hmm. and took it and ran it to a new level. And, to get the kind of performance they got out of uh, Roddy Piper at the mm-hmm. time, who, I mean, you don't expect that, but that's perfect. That's what can happen. Like it's, it, he was perfect for the role. But Travis, so. we are coming up. We're actually over an hour now. And man, <laughs> I could sit here and talk movies with you all night, honestly, but it has been an I, absolute yeah. pleasure having you on the show. We'll have you back again. Cause we have to continue this conversation. <laughs> 
Anytime. I, I love to, obviously I like talking uh, quite a bit cause I can just keep going, but uh, this is fun. I, I have enjoyed this. Well, we're all, I think we're all three here movie nerds. So we could, we could go for a long oh, yeah. time. <laughs> I'm a movie nerd who ironically hasn't seen a lot of movies <laughs> that you guys would be pissed about that I haven't seen. Well, if you ever, uh, if you ever need an excuse to watch him, you know, who to contact. I can, oh, yeah, I can get you to watch one of these and we can talk about it. Maybe yeah, we should we try to up. find something uh, that Jacob hasn't seen and we do an episode of Wait You Haven't Seen and make him watch something. I'm all for that. Let's make it happen. We'll, we'll have to talk we'll and figure that. out what you haven't seen. Yeah. Because Jacob's young. He hasn't seen a lot of stuff. There's a lot of good classics that I have not seen. So. We'll figure something <laughs> out. We'll, we'll talk offline. <laughs> all right. That sounds but, good. But Travis, tell everybody out there where they can find your stuff at uh so the easiest place is tvstravis.com um that is where the feed is for wait you haven't seen and i've got links to find uh the other shows that i'm on uh and uh all the social networks whatever it is tv's travis 90 percent chance that's me um it, whether it's uh, instagram tw- uh, twitch twitter counter social is a new one that i've joined mm-hmm. I just joined that all the Twitter kerfuffle. (laughs) Just in case Twitter Um, goes to shit. I got somewhere to go. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So you can find me in all of those. Um, But yeah, tvstravis.com is the easiest place to find it. Awesome. I'll put that link in the, in the show notes and, uh, and everybody I'll direct everybody over there. Cause it is a very, very, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. I look forward to it every single week. You guys, um, you know, well, it's just you, you're the main host, but you always have a, a uh, rotating cast of of co-hosts that come through and you guys just talk about movies. So if you like t- movie talk and good movie talk, go check out Wait You Haven't Seen. And if you like Highlander, go check out uh let's watch Highlander. Um Yeah. When we're, you guys we're do that, just about to wrap up our fifth season. Wow. And you guys do that on Twitch uh what nights do you do that? Uh Highlander uh we do on Tuesday nights. We okay. do the recording live. Awesome. Well, and what's um, it about? Uh, Highlander the series, just just going through episode by episode. Nice. Have you ever seen Highlander, Jacob? Have you ever seen Highlander? I've I've seen. Um, they've made Highlander movies, right? Yeah, that's what. Uh, Yes, they've made. I've seen the first Highlander a long time ago. Yeah, I've seen the first Highlander, but it's been forever. Maybe we should make Jacob watch Highlander two: The Quickening. Uh, I mean, we could, but I don't want to do that again. Because in between, so in between seasons of the show, like we'll wrap up a season and then Audie and I will watch one of the movies because it it worked out. There was six seasons of the series and there are five mainline films. So it's like, it worked out perfectly to to slot one in between each season, Um, which means we're coming up on watching the fifth Highlander movie, which is worse than Highlander two. Like as bad as Highlander two is Highlander. The source is worse. Here's, Oh, the oh. source is terrible. But here, Jacob, I have a mission for you. Here's what I want you to do. Okay. Go watch oh, the yeah. original Highlander, which is a great, really good self-contained story. One movie. Right. Like, okay. it ends, and it ends, like, how do you have a sequel to this? Like, it ends, you, you know, the premise of Highlander is there can be only one. Well, it ends up, Connor McCloud is the fucking one. Like, he, at the end of the movie, <laughs> he's the fucking last one. They made a sequel. Called Highlander 2 The Quickening. 
you're going to watch that. Just watch those movies back to back and you get to Highlander 2 and you're going to be like, what the fuck am I watching? It makes no sense whatsoever. None. Here's a, here's a quick rundown of the movies for you, Jacob. All right, you've got Highlander. Great. Okay. Super fun. One of the best villains in film. The Kurgan. With, uh, Clancy Brown's The Kurgan. Highlander 2, The Quickening. Dog shit. It's a, it's a, it's a coked out fever dream of a movie <laughs> that the, yeah. the renegade version, which is like trying to recut and fix all the problems I had, still hot garbage. Mm-hmm. Then you had Highlander 3, The Apology, which is, we're just going to remake the first movie. With Mario Van with, Peebles. With Mario Van Peebles in it. And then it was Highlander 4. Oh, yeah, we made a TV show. Let's cross the streams. And then Highlander 5, they were just like, we don't care anymore. We've stopped caring whatsoever. Highlander 5, the source, feels like it was made on... Um, like handheld cameras and like a, over a weekend. Highlander five was not theatrically released. It was the first movie that didn't get a theater theater release. It was not direct to video. It was direct to sci-fi channel Ugh. is where it debuted. Oh, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> but my, some of my favorite movies are yeah. direct to sci-fi. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. But this, this isn't meant to be Sharknado. Like <laughs> this is supposed to be a real movie. Hey, if and... you want to see my uh, sci-fi channel debut, just go watch Mississippi <laughs> River Sharks, and you'll see my ugly ass in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Jacob, well, now loves I have it. to go. Now I got to go watch it. Yeah, maybe we should do that for <laughs> we haven't seen. <laughs> oh, oh my. Wait, you haven't seen Mississippi River Sharks? Oh my god, it's terrible. It needs Don't to be available it. on Prime. Do a do a watch along. Don't do it. It's horrible. <laughs> Well, thank you for coming on, Travis. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And uh, Jacob, you got anything you want to throw out there before we go tonight? Nope. All right. Well, here we go. If you want to email us, email us at openmicerspodcast at gmail.com. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash ompodcast. And you can follow us at openmikers on Twitter and Instagram, as long as Twitter's still around. And I may make us a uh, counter social. Not sure yet, but you can always find us at Instagram. So thank you guys, and we will see you next week. Follow us on True Social.